If you would turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, found on page 712. We're actually going to be uh, looking at Isaiah 40 in, in the weeks of, of Advent. And so this morning we're just going to be reading the first two verses. Isaiah 40, starting at verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her welfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. When you think of the word comfort, what images come to mind? Sometimes people will call certain foods comfort food. To me, comfort food is meatloaf. How about a stuffed chicken, mashed potatoes? How about steak and fried potatoes? It's comfort food. It's one of those things you're always kind of happy to to eat when you see it before you. I remember when my kids were little, they would take a bath and they'd love it if they'd get to sit on the the hearth afterwards with a roaring fire behind them and it would make them nice and warm. It was very comforting to them and they still talk about that. Comfort can be a hot cup of coffee after a long day of work. Comfort can be the hand of your spouse as you go for a walk. Comfort can also take the form of encouragement from a loved one, from a friend, helping you when you're a little down in the dumps. In many ways, that's what Isaiah and the people of Israel were experiencing. They were in a spiritual desert, and these were beautiful words to them, Isaiah 40. I think you could say the the first 39 chapters of, of the book of Isaiah, it was given to, to Israel as a warning of the destruction that was going to come their way if they didn't turn from their evil ways, if they didn't turn from their idols. They would go into captivity. They would go to Babylon and many of them would die there. Many would, would be killed in, in Jerusalem. It would be a devastation as as well as seeing their their precious um, city of Jerusalem being slowly torn down. Now God could have left them there, but He didn't. And if you've ever read the book of Isaiah, the first 39 chapters, it's not always real pleasant because there's warning after warning about what's going to happen to them if they walk in disobedience. But suddenly you get to chapter 40 and everything changes. The mood changes. It's meant to be very encouraging. Really, it's meant to bring God's people comfort. I think you could say that in many ways, um, the, the, the first 39 chapters, they, they were given to the people while they were still in Jerusalem. They hadn't gone into captivity yet, but it was a warning to them. And God foresaw that once they did go into exile, that they would need that comfort. They would need that encouragement. And so from 40 to the end of of the book of Isaiah, we find that encouragement for God's people, that there is hope, that there is comfort. 
as well as some other things that we're going to be looking at in, in the weeks to come. If you had been in Israel's shoes, what would you have wanted to hear God say to you the most? You know that you had gone astray as a nation, as a people. You know the ugliness of sin. And so what would you want to hear God say? I told you so? No. Do we like that when somebody says that to you? You make a mistake and somebody says, I told you so. Maybe us adults don't do that. Maybe we're thinking it sometimes, but we don't actually say that. That's more what kids do, but still, it's, it's hard to hear that. When you're hurting, when you're disillusioned, when you're feeling broken, you long for encouragement, and that would be Israel. When they were sitting in captivity, they would need that encouragement that God had not forgotten them, that He still loved them. He still had a plan for His people. You can just imagine how desperate they would have longed to hear that. And I think that's what's so incredible about this chapter and these verses that we're focusing on this morning is the comfort that is ours that was promised to Israel. And this comfort that God was offering Israel, this is our comfort to claim as well as we face our lives, as we go through many trials. You know, when I hear God saying those words, comfort, comfort, my people, says your God, I don't hear Him as being angry. But I hear His voice as being very soothing and encouraging and very loving. He wants to love His children. It's like parents, you know, we hate to punish our children. We know we have to. We hate to do that. And it's the same with God. He wants to restore them to Himself, to walk in fellowship with them. But the only way that can happen is for our sin to be taken care of. See, Israel wanted the kind of comfort that they could cling to no matter what they were seeing happening around them. They wanted the comfort that only God could provide. Also, just, you know, overview of what we're looking at, notice how many times comfort is, is mentioned in, in those verses. Clearly, whenever there's repetition in the Bible, it's for a reason. And, and so God wants that comfort to be claimed. He wants His people to know hope. Just as He wants us to, to know that as well. See, it's not a temporary thing that, he, that He's offering us. A temporary comfort or hope, but it's an everlasting hope. An everlasting comfort that we claim now, and, and we can experience now, at least in part, but one day when we get to heaven, then we're going to experience it in all its fullness. But in order for comfort to be real and lasting, the problem of sin has to be dealt with. has to be recognized. Our sin has to be atoned for. Again, don't forget the first 39 chapters of Isaiah. Clearly, God is not happy with His people. Clearly, God hates our sin. 
every evidence of it in our lives. And so you have to ask, what enables God to now look past it and offer His people comfort? Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. See, up until now, God has not allowed Isaiah to comfort Israel. But now that Israel's sin has been atoned for, now Isaiah can offer them that comfort. Unconfessed sin as a way of keeping us separated from God. As a way of messing up our fellowship. As long as that unconfessed sin is there, we, we can't walk hand in hand with the Lord. It's got to be dealt with. And for Israel to experience this comfort and hope from God, their sin has to be dealt with. A sacrifice has to be made. Sacrifice that only God can provide. You know, it's not their many years in captivity that that took away their sin. They had experienced the wages of their sin, that there was death, that punishment did come, but that didn't take away their sin. We know clearly from Scripture that An innocent animal had to be sacrificed. And even that innocent animal didn't take away their sin, but it just postponed it until the day one could come who would take away their sin, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And because that sacrifice would come from God, His own Son, it was sufficient to turn away God's wrath and to give us forgiveness of our sins. It's greater than any sacrifice that could ever be made. Isaiah will later tell us more about that sacrifice in the the verses following this, but for now it's enough to know that God's the one who accomplished this. God did it for us out of His love for you and me. This freedom that was being prophesied, it's a gift of God's grace. And we're undeserving of it, plain and simple. We don't deserve this wonderful gift. And this is the good news that is being prophesied and offered to Israel and to us. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Notice, despite what Israel has done, despite turning away and going after other gods, God still lovingly opens His arms to His people. And invites them to come. To be in a relationship with Him. To enjoy God's covenant blessings. It's God saying to us, I will never leave you nor forsake us. Forsake you. My love ensures this. The great British car maker, Rolls Royce, takes great pride and the reliability of their, uh, their cars. One owner one time decided to take his Rolls Royce into Europe from, from Britain. And so as he was uh, driving around France, uh, apparently the car had mechanical problems. And so he called Rolls Royce. And they immediately put a mechanic on a plane, a private plane, and within that afternoon, 
The guy had a mechanic working on his car by the side of the road and fixed it. And the guy continued on his vacation. Well, some time later, the man was thinking, you know, I never received an invoice for having that mechanic come out and and fix my my car. And so he contacted the company, Rolls-Royce. This is what they replied to him. This is the letter. This is the words that he found on that letter. It says, We have no recollection or record of any Rolls-Royce having ever been have ever have had a breakdown or being in need of repair anywhere in France. They had no record of it. They didn't want to remember it because their cars never broke down, right? That's really what God says to those who make Christ their Lord and Savior. To those who received Him, who have accepted His hope and comfort, it's as if we've never sinned. In the righteousness of Christ, God chooses to remember our sins no more. Past, present, future. Isn't that amazing? He chooses not to remember them again. We remember them. We keep going over them, our mistakes, over and over and over and over. Satan likes to do that to us, tempt us that way, so we feel about this big, but you know what? God doesn't remember them anymore. He's chosen to forgot them because he sees only the blood of of his son Jesus. He sees his righteousness. This is the hope we remind ourselves of each Christmas during the, the season of Advent. A young musician once went to see his old music teacher. During the visit, his elderly mentor took a tuning fork and struck it at the end of the table and held it up. And he goes, this is an A. And then he kind of looked up and he goes, and the woman singing above us on, on the second floor, she's singing sharp. Teacher hit the tuning fork on the table again. He goes, this is an A. It will always be in perfect pitch. But that woman singing, she's going to be sharp unless she changes how she sings. So it is with us. In Jesus Christ, we've received a comfort and a hope that is ours always. It's going to be true today. It's going to be true a year from now. It's going to be true 10 years from now or 500 years from now. In Jesus Christ, there is hope. And He offers each of us comfort as we go through this world. Kingdoms will rise and fall. Men will come and go. Values of the world will change, but Christ will continue to be our only hope and comfort in this world. Proclaiming where our comfort and and hope is found, clearly, it comes only in, in Christ Jesus. And it's interesting how our, our, our chapter ends the same way it begins, with that same theme. And, and those of you who know your Bibles well, I'm sure you've read the end of Isaiah 40 many times in your life, but those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's that comfort. 
that Isaiah begins that chapter with, chapter with comfort that can only come through Jesus. And just as Israel awaited the day the long-expected Jesus would come, so we wait, await the day when King Jesus will come and take us home to be with Him forever. Until that day, you have been entrusted with the words of life, and that means you have been entrusted with a comfort that can only be found in Jesus. Just as Isaiah was called to be the Lord's prophet in his day, we too have been called to spread that good news. That our hope and comfort is found only in Jesus. People long to hear that, to know that. To know that they're not alone. Remember, of all the gifts you give away this Christmas, there is none greater than the gift of Jesus. There's nothing more precious than the long-awaited Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we just thank you for the comfort that is ours in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for not treating us as our sins deserve, but Lord, for loving us. Just as we see you loving and and restoring Israel, Lord, you continue to do that in our lives as well. And we just say thank you. And we just pray, Lord, that you might fill us with a longing that can't be filled until we come to Jesus and bow before him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?